Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Well, we're back again, and uh, we're still in Proverbs uh, chapter 1. And let's go ahead and read our text again. Chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention, and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof, so they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. He who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Again, you see how significant wisdom is in determining whether our life truly is life or it leads down a path that can only be described as destruction. Let's go to the Lord in in prayer because we see here this is very urgent, very necessary, and we need the Lord's help not only to understand but to obey. Father, again, although I see no faces, I pray for these young people as as I pray for my own children. Dear God, please, raise up young men and young women who who fear you, who love you, who desire to be instruments of your will in this in this dark age. Lord, most of all, make them lovers of Christ, students of the gospel. But in that also, Lord, grant them wisdom that they would be wise, innocent as doves, but wise, Lord. Oh, Lord, that, that purity and love, innocence and joy would be the mark of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, um, we've tarried here a bit, but it's good and it's necessary. Young people, listen to me. I, I know so many people who um, they'll talk about. I read that book, and it, that's that's just not good enough. I read that book. The question is, what did you learn from that book? How has that book changed you? 
What do you now understand that you didn't understand before, and how do you apply it, you see? So if we're 600 lessons in the book of Proverbs, it doesn't matter. The thing that does matter is to understand wisdom and to live it for the glory, not of self, but of Jesus Christ. Now, here we are in 22, and we talked about the simple one who's uninstructed and has no ability to discern, primarily good from evil. Um, then we talked about the love of being simple-minded. That uh, uh, You've heard it all said before, I think, probably, um, that ignorance is bliss. Well, it's not. Ignorance is extremely dangerous, especially ignorance with regard to uh, the will of God. Uh, just because you hide doesn't mean the will of God hides. Just because you're uninstructed doesn't mean that you're not guilty. You and I have a responsibility to uh, respond to the revelation of God's word that's been given to us. And then we've, we've talked about scoffers, very dangerous group of people. And yet at the same time, we've got to recognize that, that that's in us. When we see people maybe who exceed us, who go beyond us, who have progressed more in the things of the faith or walk with a greater sincerity, um, we, we may be envious of them, we, we scoff about them. You know, never, um, never underestimate the power of media. What do I mean? Usually in movies today, if someone is devout, um, with regard to Christianity, sooner or later you come to see that their devotion is just a veneer, a covering, a mask, but they're actually the wicked one in the movie. And it's, we're almost trained to believe that if someone is truly striving after the things of God, that somehow they're a hypocrite and they're dangerous. And, and don't think that that attitude hasn't impacted you. It's impacted all of us. But we need to realize that, yeah, there is religious hypocrisy, and Jesus points it out, especially in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. There's religious hypocrisy, and some of it's in all of us, but there are sincere people, not perfect people, but people who truly want to know the Word of God to obey it, and they're striving. Be careful that you're not against them, and that you're not always looking for some flaw you can point out in their life in order to bring them down to your level or maybe below you so you can step on them a bit. Be very, very careful with regard to this type of attitude because if you have it, you're a scoffer. We also learned that, that the scoffer, especially for a young person, if you're, if you're around one, get away from them. Get away from them. They will influence you and you will eventually join them. And there's a text that I wanted to point out before we go on to what I said we were going to talk about, the trivium. Uh, just go with me to Psalms 1. We're in Proverbs 1, but look at Psalms 1 just for a moment. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Okay? They give certain... Remember the noise in the street? Wisdom is crying out in the street. And then there's a whole bunch of noise of the wicked. Well, the blessed man, the righteous man, he doesn't walk in that noise. But he walks in the law of the Lord. And it says he doesn't stand in the path of sinners. Okay. Uh, sin in the Bible is to miss the mark, is, is to go astray. 
It's to get lost. So why would you walk in their path? Why would you walk in the path of a bunch of people who are not going to arrive at the proper destination? But they've lost their way. They've strayed into dangerous land. Then we go on, or sit in the seat of scoffers. And some people think, and I think there's good reason for this, that there is a progression here. First of all, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He's not listening to it and, you know, kind of walking according to it every once in a while. And then there's the one who stands in the path of sinners. Now, he's made this path his fixed uh, route. Before, it was just listen a bit and every once in a while walk in that way. But now it's gone from that to you're standing there. This, this is your route now. And then eventually sit in the seat of scoffers. Those who go astray are always going to turn on the righteous. They're always going to make fun of those who are wanting to walk in the right way and be very, very careful. Now, let me give you an example of this. It's not so religious and maybe has occurred in your life. Maybe you have a brother or sister who they, they try the yes, sir, no, sir. They obey their mom and dad. They, they want to do good. And, do you make fun of them? You little hypocrite. I know how you really are. You see, that's what you may say to them. Or are your daddy's boy or mommy's boy or your goody two shoes? Why are you saying that? Be very, very careful, young person. Because most of the time when we do something, we don't realize we're doing it. We, we can see it in others so quickly. Look at that guy. He's a scoffer. But we don't see it when we're a scoffer. And it's very deceptive. You may even want to ask your brother and sister or your mom or your dad and say, look, am I a scoffer? Am I someone who's just always making fun of other people who are at least trying? Now, let's go on to something. I said, you know, why are there scoffers? Well, first of all, we've answered that question and the thing that... Um, we were born with a fallen, sinful nature. And you must understand that. And it delights in disobedience. And it hates when it is exposed. Jesus said, you don't come to the light because your deeds are evil. But we also hate it when other people want to walk in the light. Because their, their very actions convict us that we're wrong. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why we will scoff, make fun of them, trying to alleviate the pain in our own conscience for the fact that we know we're wrong. But now there's another reason. It seems that in education, over the last several decades, has just, it's, it's a mess. It really, really, really is. And um, there were many ancient ways of teaching young people that have been totally disregarded so that uh, we haven't raised up generations of thinkers. We've raised up generations of scoffers and mockers. And so I want to talk to you just for a second about, about what's known as the trivium. It, the idea is that there are three stages. I'm going to make it very basic. There are three stages in learning. And, and young person, this is not just for your mom or your dad. And if you're in college, uh, this is also for you. Uh, you. You can always start over, okay, no matter how old you are. An old dog can learn new 
tricks if the if it's the Lord who's teaching them. Now now listen. First of all, it's it's the gaining. The first level is the gaining of facts. If you don't have facts, you can't do anything. Not not theory. Not some gray area nuance. That's not what I'm talking about. Just basic facts. Facts of mathematics. Two plus two is four. Facts of history. You see. Facts of science. Facts. Not theories. Not some agenda someone's trying to push. I'm talking about the facts of reality. Reality is what is. Truth is what actually is. It's what's real. You need facts. And if you don't have facts, you can't do anything. If you don't have that foundation, you can't do anything. So a child learns facts. They learn their multiplication tables. They should learn about history and dates of history and what really went on in the world and about science. What's really, really true in, in chemistry, in astronomy, in in geology, in, in all, chemistry, everything. Learn the facts. That's the first level. But if you got all these facts, but there's another level now. It's logic. It's the ability to reason. The, 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 for me, the simplest way to understand what's meant by logic is the ability to think in a non-contradictory manner. And this is important not just for learning science and mathematics and literature and history, but it's also important for the Bible. Let me give you an example. The Bible is a book without error. We say that it is inerrant, has no error. It's, it is infallible. It's incapable of error. And that's all because it's inspired. It's God-breathed. And God being perfect by nature, his works are perfect. And one of his works is his word that he's not only given us, but he's also preserved the integrity of his word. Now, if I interpret, logic teaches me that if I interpret one passage of scripture in a way that contradicts another passage of scripture, what does logic tell me? There's a few possibilities. One, I'm wrong in one of these interpretations, or I'm wrong in both, but I can't be right in both. You see? It's very, very important. Like someone says, well, you know, um, I believe that um, the, the faith of Islam and Christianity, I just believe they're the same thing. Well, there's a problem. They teach completely opposite things, not just some different things. I mean, completely opposite things about God, about the person of Jesus of Nazareth, about the way of salvation. They are polar opposites. I mean, polar, you know, the North Pole and the South Pole. You can't get any farther apart. So what logically are our two options? Two options is somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Or the other is both are wrong, but both can't be right because that's a contradiction. So logic is the ability to sit down and think through something. Now, there are books on logic that are very, very good, but also you need to understand that just studying scripture 
will give you also a logical mind. For example, in the book of Romans, Paul argues that if salvation is by works, it can't be by grace. It can't be by both. It's either grace or works, but it can't be grace and works at the same time. So as we're studying God's word, he has, of course, the most logical mind, the most pristine reason. So if we study God's word, we're going to learn to think as God thinks. But also there are, there are many, many good books um, written by Christians and others on logic. And it'd be very, very helpful to study that. Because even if you, most people don't have any of the facts, but if they had the facts, they wouldn't know how to put them together. But we need to know the facts, but that's not enough. Then you need to know how to put them together in a way that you have a, a system that is unified, that there's harmony, and you're not contradicting yourself back and forth. So there's first the, the gaining of facts, and let's put this with regard to the Bible, biblical facts. Then there's the ability to reason according to those facts. You know, how can I look at God's sovereignty in a way that doesn't contradict the um, volition of man to some degree? Or how can I look at freedom in a way that doesn't contradict God's sovereignty? And sometimes also we come to this place where we have to simply acknowledge that since God, his thoughts are greater than our thoughts, that we are going to find things that we simply have to hold these both of these truths in attention, knowing that we can't resolve the mystery that's there. The mystery is not a logical contradiction. It's just beyond us. Let me give you an, a beautiful example would be would be the Trinity. That uh, God is um, one God, one God, not three gods. There are within the Godhead, what we know as God, there are three distinct persons that are real and yet one. We can hold those truths as evident. We can't necessarily resolve the mystery or the fact that there are two natures in the one singular person of Jesus of Nazareth, a nature that is divine. He is God, completely God, a nature that is human. And those two natures exist without confusion, without mixture. Uh, it wasn't like a demagogue where somehow there was a mixture and he's somewhere between God and man. That's not it. He's fully God and fully man. Now, some of these truths we have to hold in attention and just bow our knee and worship. But at the same time, we're using the right use of reason. Now, when we go from the facts and then logic, then we have another that's rhetoric, that's speaking or arguing. And so what do we have in the world today? Most people don't, especially with the internet, most people don't know the facts. They don't know how to put them together. But boy, they can, they can sure yell a lot, can't they? They can argue. Everybody has an opinion. And today with the internet, everybody has a greater opportunity than ever to espouse their opinion. As Benjamin Franklin, you know, everyone has a right to speak their mind. But if they know the facts, you see. Now, 
here's what I want you to see that for example a reporter goes into a group of middle school students that are 12 years old says what do you think about so-and-so war in the Middle East and they all start screaming out something and um, but but here's the question how many of those students have studied history have studied the history of the Middle East have studied the the philosophies and religions behind the conflicts the the worldviews um, have studied things with regard to political science have studied anthropology you see most students they don't even have a clue of what's going on in the Middle East and yet they just scream and usually they scream something that a rock star said that they they admire or something that they saw from a some famous pop person you see we don't need to be that way we need to study the facts we need to learn the proper use of reason and then we need to speak in a logical and godly manner we need to argue and be able to set forth our case especially with regard to Christianity to give a defense of our faith okay so those are the two basic reasons why we have scoffers because it's in us we love to somehow hide ourselves from what is true in order to protect our conscience and then we love making fun of those who do what's true because it bothers us the other is we're we're raised in a culture where yeah technologically i mean the computers and everything else it's it's absolutely astounding and i don't want to take anything away from that but but our ability to think especially about moral manner moral things and religion is almost at an all-time low if not at an all-time low so scoffers and then I, I want to go here I want to uh, says not only that just really quickly but in 22 how long O naive ones will you love being simple-minded and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge now fool here the, the idea is that of a, a, a non-thinker <laughs> you know I used to uh, did a little bit of scuba diving I used to I really loved that a basic and open water scuba diver and all that and there were these plants I forget what they were called I think they were plants something they were alive and I remember a dive instructor taking me down and he said now before we went down he said now I'm going to show you something that is so fast you, you won't be able to believe it and it was this little thing I don't know what it was what is a creature or a plant or whatever and you could stretch forth your finger and you could touch it and not only did it move it moved so fast that it literally disappeared before your eyes now it did not have a complex brain system I, I can tell you that it was stimuli response you touch it it moved and I mean it moved quick that's kind of this type of person not necessarily does he have much of a brain or is not using his brain very much he's just stimulate stimuli response you say something that sets him off and he's not gonna think he is just gonna scream and and that's what a fool is and we see that don't we I mean there are certain things that we could say I mean I could stand up in university and say you know I I don't believe in I don't believe in macroevolution that that species change from one species to another I, I don't believe that at all I believe that 
that man was created by God and there was a literal Adam and Eve. I mean, the moment I say that, a war is going to break out. I mean, everything from laughter to cussing to everything else. And it's not because of thinking, it's stimuli response. And that, that's what a fool is, a non-thinker. And another way of looking at it as an insensitive dullard. Now, that's kind of an old word. But someone is just dull. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you'll see sometimes, you know, uh, my wife will do this sometimes when she's talking to the children and they're not listening and she'll go, bing, bing, bing. It's like it's not going into your head. You see that. And, and, and we don't be that. We don't want to be that way, but we can become that way. That's why we need to study primarily the scriptures and be open for instruction. Um, now, when the Bible uses the term fool, I want to put something out here. Very, very important. It's this is not it's, it's a moral problem. It's not an intellectual problem. There are people with extremely high IQs that are fools. So don't think that maybe you have difficulty like me in learning. Um, that that doesn't mean you're a fool. A fool is someone who is just totally unconcerned for moral instruction. They, they, they could care less. They don't see the importance of it, and they don't apply themselves to it. Now, it says not only they are fools, but they hate knowledge. And why do they hate knowledge? Well, we've already been through that a bit, haven't we, with the scoffer. They hate knowledge. I'm going to read something I wrote here. They hate knowledge because it requires them to surrender their autonomy to God. Now, what is autonomy? It's self-government. They want to govern their own lives in a way that is not according to the will of God. You see, and that's why they hate knowledge. And they don't want to, um, they don't want to hear what God said because it contradicts what they want. And so when they hear it, it convicts them of being wrong. They would rather live in their ignorance without any conviction. And to find a beautiful illustration of that, let's just go for a moment. Go to the book of John, and we'll end there. We've already gone, again, too far over, but I'm prone to do that. Um, go to John chapter 3. Look what Jesus said, verse 19. This is the judgment that light has come into the world through him. Okay, He's the greatest revelation of God, of God's character and God's will. He says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness. Now, why would anyone love darkness? And what he's talking about here is not nighttime. I mean, I like the nighttime. Um, he's talking about moral darkness. Okay. And he says they love moral darkness rather than the light, the revelation of who God is and God's will. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Uh, I was a boy. I just loved to go fishing on our farm ponds. And, uh, of course, you got to find worms. And so you go out, and what do you do? You turn over a log or a rock. And what happens? Hopefully there's worms underneath there, but there's all kinds of other stuff, beetles and spiders and you name it. Sometimes water moccasins. That's a big, ugly snake that you don't want to mess with. And uh, the moment you turn that log over, they're just all running in every direction. Why? Light. Light. They don't want to be exposed. They want to be hidden. And so those who do evil things, isn't it amazing 
that, that most of the evil is done at night. You can't imagine, if you read history, it's hard to imagine what it was like in London, England, or other major cities before there was the electric light bulb. People didn't get out at night because it was just just dark. And all kinds of criminal activity would happen at night. He says, they love darkness rather than the light for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his evil deeds will be exposed. Not only exposed in the fact that other people will see their evil deeds but the fact that they'll see they will see their deeds in the light of God's light and it will convict them of being wrong and they hate that they hate it i want to tell you something that sometimes people are going to tell you you're wrong and they're they're not right <laughs> that's true and some people try to always walk around telling everybody else they're wrong because they feel like they have some power in it and they manipulate people and falsely condemn them. So I want to give you that warning. Stay away from those kind of people. But one of the things that's really going to demonstrate whether or not you're a sincere Christian is that you will be open to learning from the scriptures that you're wrong or open to even the uh, correction of, of other people, whether they be your parents or a pastor or dear friends. Um, that you sit down and, and listen, am I wrong? And if I am, how can I, how can I be right? Well, God bless you. Uh, we're going to continue in our next study. I hope this has been helpful to you. It's helpful to me just going through this material again and again and again. Well, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about Heart Cry Missionary Society.